This is Dr. Mitchell from the Mental Health and Wellness Show. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Amanda Cottrell. She is a Calgary-based teacher. She began writing children's books to enhance the written curriculum and the unwritten curriculum in elementary schools. Through years of experience, she noticed that children need support in expressing themselves in mindful ways. As a yoga and mindfulness enthusiast, she used her knowledge of yoga and mindful practice to guide her stories and get children up and moving while they connect to themselves on a deeper level. Teaching is not just about guiding the students, but it's also about learning along with them. Amanda believes in lifelong learning and is continuously taking courses in different areas of interest. Believe, create, and expire. She is a woman who wears many hats with a BA in political science, B.Ed. in elementary school education, and M.Ed. specializing in creativity, technology, Reiki master, yoga for children, instructor, artist, mom, author, illustrator, and teacher. She is a powerhouse. She also <laughs> runs a small arts-based business teaching art workshop. With no further ado, I would love to introduce Amanda. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone from Calgary. It's so nice to be here. And I'm so excited to talk to you about mindfulness and children and empowering yourself through your own unique creative capacities. Thank you so much. So for those of listening, some of you may be new to the term mindfulness, but it's a term that in our mental health and wellness field, it's been thrown around for a long time. So do you mind sharing to the audience what mindfulness is, how it relates to our children? So for me, mindfulness is starting to connect to yourself and for finding that where the energy in your body is being held. So for children, it's teaching them how to recognize when they're angry and recognize that, oh, it's okay to be angry. Sometimes we are angry and it's okay, but it's not okay if you take that anger and then you go punch another student. So for me, mindfulness is really starting to become aware of our emotions. And that's actually the first book that I wrote was It's Okay to Feel. And it was a book to talk with my students about their emotions and their feelings and how those feelings, while are human, we are meant to be emotional beings, whereas we have been taught sometimes past that some emotions aren't okay, but really all of our emotions are okay. It's just how we deal with them that sometimes are not okay. And so my job as a teacher and as a parent is to help guide children into recognizing and being able to label their feelings and emotions in a mindful way and then finding a constructive way to deal with them. Wow, that sounds amazing. I, now, I think back to elementary school. I That was a while ago. <laughs> I don't quite remember this being taught. You seem unique. You're different than <laughs> what I normally hear from other teachers and students. So for me, like it, children can't learn unless they feel safe unless they are fed, unless they feel like they belong in that classroom. And we, I really focus on building a classroom community, on learning empathy for each other, on learning how to advocate for yourself, on learning compassion. So for instance, one of the books I wrote with a girlfriend was called I Am Fearless. And it's a yoga story for kids and superheroes. And in that book, there's a lot of I am statements to empower kids to recognize that they are strong, they are balanced, they um, are creative, they are divine beings that are are here for a reason. And so in my work, I always try to empower children into believing in their own uniqueness because some children are amazing artists and they just are, are gifted with that gift of art. And then other kids will be like, I suck at art. I, I'm not creative. And so many people feel that they're not creative because they can't draw, but that's completely untrue. 
being creative might be in woodworking. It might be in coding on the computer. It might be in um, like designing new games that have never been played before. There are so many ways to be creative and empower our lives. And sometimes in schools and in school systems, we are not allowing children to explore their gifts so that from the very beginning, they feel like they suck at art or they suck at writing or they suck at math when really we're not allowing them to explore their gifts and recognize that some things are hard for some people and some things are hard for other people. And we all are working on learning the best we can with what we have. And to continuously learn, we have to continuously practice. So some people are really great at math right from day one. And, but then maybe they can't draw a stick figure. (laughs) And so while that child is really great in math, that's their gift. And that's okay because another child might be really gifted in music or really gifted in the ability to make friends. And sometimes we're not in the school system because it was built during the industrial revolution. We're not valuing all of those different gifts of other people. And that's where I feel that there's this shift that we need to focus on in education. I love it. Everything you're saying is music to my ears. You're looking at a holistic approach to the child's education, the development. You mentioned the spiritual part of the child, the curated, the emotional, there's the physical. And then you also mentioned something important, which is called practice. People mm-hmm. often don't like to hear this practice makes perfect. No, there's no such thing as perfect. But the point is just because you tried it one or two times and you weren't good at it doesn't mean you can't be. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, sometimes this ties into like our lives. Like we look at somebody else's life where you're like, Oh, look at them. They have such a perfect life when really you've never stepped foot in their shoes and you don't know what's really going on. And so for me, I also am a divorcee. So I've been divorced since my daughter was two. She's now 10. And when I was teaching and I had started writing books, I think I had written like five children's books by the time this student teacher had come into my life. And she said, you know, until I came into the school system, I never knew how many children came from split families. And it's about 50%. Yes. 50% of the children in my classroom on almost any given year, I've been teaching for over 15 years, comes from divorced families. So she said, why don't you write a book on divorce for kids so that it can help them? And so I wrote a book called Divorce is a D Word. Sometimes two separate homes are better than one. And it's because I truly believe that parents need to find happiness within themselves and to be able to create their own space in their, like their safe space should be home. And so if you're not living in a safe space and your home is um, in constant conflict, then your child is going to feel that. And so while I truly 100% believe that you should do everything you can possibly do to save your marriage, some marriages are not savable and that is okay. And what your job as parents to do is then if you cannot work it out, then find a way to make your space the most healthy space you possibly can for your child. And so, and that might be showing that you can be an independent woman or man, a loving father, a loving mother that does as much as they can with their child with the time that they have. Because you can't control what happens at the other home, but you can control how much love and space you have in your home, right? Yes, that is so good. Respecting that space, knowing that the child is the most important piece in that puzzle. Yes, true, a relationship didn't work out, but the Mm -hmm. child should still have the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. And the book shows some that sometimes two separate homes can be better than one. Oh, yeah. But yeah, now you get two Christmases and you can't. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Look at you. But there are benefits to both, right? Definitely. And we really want to find a place where there's calm. And people, I really find when people say, oh, you're divorced, I'm so sorry. I say, no, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that experience because A, I wouldn't be able to help others 
others with the way that I can. B, I wouldn't be as strong as I am. I wouldn't have had the time to write the books. I wouldn't have had the time to finish my master's and focus on what, on me, on the things that I needed to heal within myself. And those are the things that I now can share with others because I have been through that experience. And so I think that people sometimes when they're in a dark space or when they are struggling, they need to think, say, take a step back. And instead of being like, oh, my life is horrible. This is the worst. (laughs) Think, what can I learn from this situation? And how can I get up tomorrow and make the first step in having a better day towards or towards my goals and that I want to achieve in my life? I love it. And you know, while one is going through a challenging transition in one's life, it's hard to be that positive, but just remember you'll get through it. And for myself, who's been through the same, um, your mess is your blessing. So that period of life that maybe really sucked, but for many of us, it was a very good reason it happened. (laughs) (laughs) I can speak for myself, but it's also been a blessing because again, I've been able to use my experience and I heal from it and hope that other men and women who were going similar challenges can be blessed and can learn from our own challenges. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love this. This is really good. So if you could say anything to a parent who is putting their child into school for the first time, because right now it's that back to school time. Let's say you have a kindergarten (laughs) who's first starting school or preschool. What would you say to the parent? I would say just trust, like trust that they are going to be okay. They are resilient. They are, give them the skills that they are, can advocate for themselves. Allow, you don't have to, like I find so many parents are like helicopter parents now. Yes. have to do everything for their child. But if you can take a step back, your child is so resilient and so able to achieve so much more than you give them credit for. And I think that when kids are going into kindergarten, you really, it, it really is for some parents who've never like had their child away from them. Yeah, It's a scary time because they're like, oh, I've never been away from my child for more than an hour or something. Whereas moms who are working moms like myself, like, bye. We, like, bye, have fun. <laughs> That's me. But I also am so grateful for my daughter being in childcare before she went to school because she had this whole social structure before she even went into her elementary school experience where she already knew friends and had people that she knew were going to be in the school with her. So it wasn't as scary for her. So I think that it's really important for parents to try to find a group of people who also are going through that same experience as they are so that they have someone to talk ideas off of. I always say like every stage of a child's growing up has its absolutely wonderful parts, but then it's absolutely frustrating parts. Yeah. The good, the bad, the ugly. I'm the worst (laughs) ever. Yeah. But really every stage has its most wonderful things and its biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. And so I always find for myself when I'm talking to another parent who has a child around the same age as me, and I realize they're having the same struggles as I am. I'm like, thank you so much because I feel better now. I recognize that it's not just me. I'm not the only one in this situation. I'm not the only one who's struggling with my child being lippy to me or struggling with my child at at different stages, having temper tantrums in the grocery store (laughs) or starting to like um, talk back, you know, when they start to talk back at like two years old. (laughs) Oh yeah. I got a three, almost four year old and a going on 13 year old. (laughs) So I love how you 
mentioned resiliency. That is something I, th- I think should be one of the theme words for 2020 and 2021. Resiliency. There's a pediatrician, Dr. Ginsburg. He came up with the seven C's of resiliency. And I think every parent and teacher, anyone that auntie who's around kids and even adults should pay attention. So I'll go over it real quick. One is competency. I've read this before. It's so fantastic. Right? Competency. Mm-hmm. That's knowing how to handle stressful situations without like punching the wall, as you mentioned with kids. It's okay to be angry, but it's how you bring it out. Yes. Right? Confidence that this is rooted in the belief that you can actually do this. Right? And kids learn this by being allowed to try and to fail, quote unquote, and to try not by us as parents doing everything for them. Right? Connection. Kids need that tie with, you know, friends and family, community, right? Character. Kids need to know their self-worth. They need to have value. They need to care about other people. I think that is so important. Our kids need to learn to empathize with other people. They grow to be such better adults and partners. (laughs) Contribution. Our kids need to know that they have a purpose, that they are doing something of impact in the world, right? And hearing that appreciation, our thank yous. Our kids need to learn to say thank you. Even if it's a parent, they shouldn't take us for granted. Just because they're we gave birth to them doesn't mean that like they're owed something. No, thank you. Please, thank you. Manners, right? Coping. That's the sixth C. You have to have a bunch of skills, which I'm sure you're going to talk about in how to deal with stress, right? Not just um, bottling all your emotions and letting it explode at your dog two days later or your mom. Yeah. Healthy strategies. And the last one is control. We have control of our action and that's powerful, right? So we need to stop and think before we act. So when you said resiliency, like I, that's like one of my theme words, 2020, 2021, is that kids, you can get through this. You are stronger than you think. You are actually probably stronger than most adults because you haven't learned to give up because a child who learns how to walk, they fail, they fall hundreds of times. My baby just learned how to walk in December. And trust me, she fell down over and over and over, (laughs) but she didn't quit. But most adults, we quit after, oh, it didn't work out. I'm going to quit. I saw. Absolutely. Right. And so that's one thing that we talk about in schools. That's a really kind of like hype word right now is learning, teaching kids how to learn how to fail. Yeah. So actually we learn so much more when we fail at something and then continue to try than we do if we get something instantly. And when we work really hard at learning how to do something, we actually have so much more gratitude towards achieving it than if something came really easy to us. I know for myself, like even when I did my first degree, I was like young and right out of school and like, I didn't really try very hard. <laughs> and I like, like floated through school and, and through my first degree and, and I snowboarded all the time and I didn't worry about it. And my parents were like, aren't you going to go to your graduation? I'm like, no, <laughs> I didn't really try. That was easy. But then when I did my master's, I had a child, a toddler, I was going through a divorce and I was working full time. And I was like, I'm going to sit through that boring graduation and I'm going to walk across the stage and get that piece of paper because I worked my butt off. Yes, you <laughs> so earned it. Yeah. So I felt like because I worked so hard, it was something that I really needed to do. Whereas the other one, I was like, eh, I'm just going to work because I'm going to like go make money rather than sit through this really long convocation. 
But I feel like for people, when you work really hard to achieve something, that's when you feel so proud of yourself. And so when we learn how to fail forward, when we learn how to work really hard at something, that's when we really truly find like who we are. Because when something just comes easy, it's like it gets really boring really quickly. (laughs) And that that working towards and feeling like you've tried so hard to get somewhere and then you finally do, that's so empowering to people. So like students, I've taught for years and years. And sometimes when I taught grade three for like over 10 years and some students would come into class and they could barely write a sentence. And, but there was other kids that would come into grade three and could write paragraphs and paragraphs. But by the end of the year, those certain kids could still write paragraphs and paragraphs. And I was like, well, like writing's really easy to them. But those kids that couldn't write a sentence, if by the end of grade three, they could write a paragraph, I was like, you have achieved so much. You should be so proud of yourself because your growth has been exponential this year. Like those writing is so hard for you. And look at how far you come before you couldn't even write your name. Like some students can't even write their name properly when they come into grade three, because they'll still have backwards letters and stuff. And if by the end of the year, they can write a full paragraph, I'm like, that child has achieved so much. And so I know for anyone who's struggling with something, if it's something that you put your mind to, you can achieve no matter whatever it is that you want to achieve. And you just have to keep working at it. And there may be failures in so many different areas. But if you keep working and you keep trying, you will eventually come to where you want to be. I love it. You know, I say failure is feedback and the sky is not the limit. It's your mindset. It's the belief that you can do it and that you are capable and you're persistent and you're worthy of those things that you choose, that you want to have. So I I wanted to mention and just go back to the part you talked about in those seven seeds of resilience with the empathy, because I don't know if you've heard of this book. It's called um, The Unselfie, how empathetic children, how we want to raise empathetic children to be like they're going to, I can't remember the rest of the subtitle, but it's called The Unselfie. And it's about teaching children to be empathetic because they are saying that that's the type of people we're going to need in the future is children who can empathize with others, who can work with others to solve problems, who can understand perspective from a different point of view. And that actually wrote a children's book called I Am Empathetic too, helping children understand empathy so that we know sometimes if somebody comes into the classrooms and they throw their shoes on the ground and they stomp to their desks, like maybe we just need to give them some space because we don't know what happened before they came to school. We don't know what happened if they got into a fight with their brother on the bus or if their cat died today or whatever it was. So understanding empathy and understanding that we can still be kind and compassionate to someone even if we haven't gone through what they're through. And I think there's this, because we've been on this like me, 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 almost like narcissistic path, the world is coming back around to like, we need more compassionate, caring, empathetic individuals. And that's, I think, where a lot of mental health things are coming in as well, is because our society is so me, 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 like strive up this ladder. I'm going to be happy once I get this big house. I'm going to be happy once I get the car I want. When really, once you get that, it's just now I'm looking to the future constantly. When really, we need to learn how to do is live in the moment 
and empathize with what we've been through and empathize with what others are going through and learn how to be grateful in the moment and learn how to live for this moment because that's all we really are guaranteed. I love it. You really just nailed it because you're right. All this me, 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 me has created generations of really self-centered people. We're seeing the rise of narcissistic like traits, not necessarily the disorder, but a lot of selfishness where people only think about how it affects them, not how their decisions affects others. So yes, I like bravo. I love it. Like you you said the truth. You're my kind of people. Like (laughs) it's the truth. We need to teach our kids to like, imagine, put themselves in someone else's shoes, even though you've never walked that path, but try to get under their skin and see why are they acting this way? What is wrong? Yeah. Right. Truly caring for each other. And, you know, speaking of this undo that selfie, as you mentioned, I would always joke and say like the selfie is just a selfish picture, right? Because it's really just about you. Yes. Right. Versus back in the day when I'm young enough to remember the Polaroid (laughs) camera and Mm -hmm. the film and the little black roll that you took to the store to get developed. Yep. Young enough, right? Yep. We weren't doing no selfies. We weren't. We were looking at the world. We were looking at nature. Yeah. We weren't projecting ourselves on a cliff and saying, look at me. We're like, wow, look at this view. Look at my family, my friends. Do you remember those days? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm older than you think I am. <laughs> um, <that's a> number. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's just so true. Looking at others, look outside. That is mm-hmm. so important. And what would you say to a parent who perhaps everything I'm saying, they know it sounds good, but deep inside they know that they, they aren't practicing it and they have mm-hmm. children. What would you say yeah. to that parent to encourage them? I would say try to start with just like one minute a day or five minutes a day or if the last week was terrible start tomorrow because you always I always find even with my own mindfulness practice I like get into this really great routine and then something happens and I fall back (laughs) and then I have to be gentle with myself and get myself back back there where I'm meditating every day and working on on my knee stuff rather than like binge watching Netflix (laughs) Yeah. but also to be gentle with yourself when you maybe just need that time to binge watch Netflix but if you are really struggling with something as a parent I think it's also okay to tell your children to say I'm sorry I messed up like I'm sorry I'm struggling today I'm struggling I didn't sleep I'm grumpy I just need you to be gentle with me today too (laughs) because when you can express that to your child they will learn to be able to express that to you as well Mm -hmm. so it won't just be this big temper tantrum that they have and you're like whoa where did that come from they'll be able to say to you hey mom I had a bad sleep last night um can you just be gentle with me today and maybe not be on my back about like how messy my room is I'm a total neat freak so (laughs) I'm always on my kid's case about her room (laughs) but I think when we learn how to express our emotions and and advocate for how we're feeling then our children learn how to use that terminology as well too and then when we learn and we start taking steps towards being mindful that's when our children start their little like mirrors of ourselves because they learn from what they see I always love this one um, meme that I've seen on Facebook and Instagram a number of times where it's this woman reading a book on the subway and and her child's reading a book too and everybody else has their phones in front of them and the one person says like how how did you get your child to do that and she's like they model what they're shown so like I read every single night before bed if my daughter comes in like because she can't sleep she just sees me like sitting in bed reading so she knows that that's my strategy to go to sleep and so now that she's starting 
starting to adopt that strategy too. And so if you want to get out of a habit and you don't want your children to have that habit, you need to start modeling that for them. And that is very hard to do. (laughs) And you have to be gentle with yourself along the way because learning how to get out of our unconscious habits is like a lifelong journey. I love it. You know, some people say it takes um, 30 days to form a habit, but 90 days to have a lifestyle. I think and up to a year to solidify it. So give yourself some grace. Yeah. No one is asking you to perfect. Like every day, try to do better. Our kids are watching us. Like my little ones, I don't have to, they just follow me. I have two little girls. They, they follow, they watch me sweep. They watch me like do yoga and stretch. And they're even the baby, she's trying to do her thing and it's adorable, but they're watching. They are watching. And I think too, this year has been really, really hard because so many of our outlets that we've had to relieve stress have been shut down. Yes. And so if you really struggled this year, be very gentle with yourself and what's been going on. And you can just start to take the first step by reading maybe a self-help book or starting to maybe learn, um, go to a mindfulness class or a meditation class or a yoga class or something that's going to fill your bucket. So I like, or start a new hobby, learn how to paint. So the painting behind me is, is one that I did with my daughter. We paint all the time. And sometimes I get out of that painting thing where I quit painting for a while and then I'm like start to feel that I need to be creative again and then I get back into it and so be gentle with yourself when when you find that you're feeling out of whack because of something else that's come up in your life and and COVID has definitely thrown a lot of people out of whack and so know that you have tomorrow every day's a fresh new start yeah and every day is a gift called the present for a reason Mm -hmm. wow that is really good Um, modeling mindfulness just we all start from somewhere just start practice say I'm sorry to your kids and kids learn to say you're sorry to your parents they don't (laughs) yeah no this is awesome so how do people reach you if they want to learn more about you your books and everything Um, they can reach me on Instagram or Facebook or on my website it's all art mindfulness and creativity so my website's artmindfulnessandcreativity.com and then Instagram and um, Facebook my pages are art mindfulness and creativity awesome well you guys that is a wrap I hope you enjoyed the discussion with Amanda till next time this is Dr. Mitchell and the mental health and wellness show